Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I'm joined by Will Murden. We're in the Fox Den tonight. How's it going, Will? It is the Fox Den, isn't it? I've got real issues here. <laughs> I know you do. So we're recording from my place and for our listeners out there, I, I live on like a, a bigger block. It, it has a quarry associated to it. It's a bit weird, kind of plugged into the side of a hill. And I went down to my quarry the other day, first time in a couple of months, and something has taken residence in there, and it is just wrecking house. <laughs> it is a fucking animal graveyard down there. There's like skulls and just parts of possums and rats and animals fucking everywhere. It's terrifying. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, you've got some sort of devil animal down there. just, Or it's like the furry friends from South Park. And they're yeah. just going to like have some sort of rape bloodbath. I don't thing. know. I, it might be a bear. <laughs> yeah. It's I unlikely mean, to be a bear. It's but unlikely it to be a bear. The other panthers th- here. Yeah. I mean, we don't get any of these animals, but I can imagine you with all your man skills trying to get rid of said vermin. Um, I'm going to have to figure something out. Exactly. Exactly. I look forward to it. If you can record that and put that on Twitter, that'd be good. Secondly, fuck me, it's hot. 40 million degrees today, hot northerly blowing here in the great state of South Australia. It is fucking scorching and a scary one as well. Yeah. Uh, Weather-wise, there's a few fires popping up around the place. And having said that, nothing compared to what's going on in New South Wales and Queensland at the moment. But this does bring me to a little point before we're on air. Now, this is something for those people listening overseas or, I mean, if you're in California, you probably know about this stuff as well. But fire danger season, you put together a little pack of all your critical documents. You're talking insurance documents. You're talking deeds for houses. You're talking passports. I feel like it's not not nearly as important as it used to be. Possibly, yes, because like a lot of it's electronic thing, Exactly right. We're into more of a digital age. But there are still certain things that enable to... like. I was a little bit concerned because I did this today and sorry to kind of cut in here. I did this today, but then I was getting all of my stuff like my passport, my birth certificate, all the stuff to claim my identity, to put it all together. And then if I lose that or that (laughs) tends to go, then I'm fucked. Like I'd be better off splitting them out so that at least I've got one to kind of help me out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess now it turns into more like what are the things you can't afford to lose and it's photos and other bits and pieces that you just can't replace. Again, it's all digital now. Like, That's true. I, I as well. was thinking this. So it's just like, what lob your laptop in the car and get that f out of there. The laptop that? doesn't do shit for me either. It's literally just the kid and the dog, and the rest can burn. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, the point I was getting to is that when you were sifting through all your years of hoarding crap that you've managed to collect, you stumbled across your year twelve school reports. Oh yeah, not good. <laughs> How did that go? Oh, it was not a good experience for me. Uh, yeah. You, I had a good time in year 12, like really enjoyed myself. And that is certainly reflected in my report cards. (laughs) Like I was just not a pleasant person to teach. Like you as a teacher would have fucking hated me. Oh, no doubt. Um, But yeah, I mean... I, we didn't hang out as much at, at high school. I don't no, really think we did. No, because you were off, like, like studying and shit. Yeah, I mean, I was trying hard and things. And, um, you know, for the kids listening out there, you can be a fucking douchebag in year 12, apparently, and still go on and be, well, have mediocre levels of success. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> which is great. Uh, but please do put in some effort at school and at least don't be a dickhead. And if you're going to be a dickhead, that's okay but don't get your parents to go into bat for you because I guarantee that wouldn't have happened with you, Will. Actually, maybe. Yeah, there were occasions where <laughs> they kind of helped me out too. Okay, so this has gone nowhere, but a, <laughs> a, uh, a pretty hilarious day. And I've enjoyed the day off as well. Being a catastrophic fire day here, we don't have to go to school. So happy with that. Give me a time to catch up on my Ohio versus Bowling Green game, which was... Yeah, somewhat entertaining the in terms of scores. Stuff, but yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, let's jump into some news quickly because we do not have a lot of game preview stuff in terms of quality this weekend. So let's jump into some news. The first thing I want to bring up, and we've got a whole bunch to get to here, is the fact that I didn't give this much airtime last episode, but reality is Tua may have played his last game for the Tide. Yeah, almost certainly, I'd say. Yeah, so he is looking to probably declare at this point, go to the NFL as a uh, junior. Yeah, junior. Uh, And 
he will obviously can't play this season because of that horrific injury that he sustained against Mississippi State. But that's probably a, had a big impact, and I probably didn't give that the credit it deserves. And the fact that Alabama historically hasn't found it easy finding quarterbacks, and he's been one of the best two probably quarterbacks in the country in the last couple of years, they might not have that again for a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out from an Alabama perspective and the fact that according to the people in the Tuscaloosa and Alabama kind of locker room and that he has been such a positive influence and a, and a real quality operator, a real, a guy that you're going to miss, which is a really nice thing to hear, I suppose. And even reading a couple of things today, Nick Saban said he called him and checked in and said, how are you going? And if anything, Tua made him feel better rather than the other way around, which yeah. is which is a, it's yeah, the, good to hear that he's a really classy operator. There's some really good footage doing the rounds too of players coming to visit him in hospital, him playing the ukulele, like just upbeat, kind of taking it in his stride, knows that you know there's, there's not much you can do about it and, and it is what it is, but he'll... Like, it's not the end for him. He's going to be able to rehab from this, and he kind of sets his sights on that. And it's disappointing from college football side of things because you don't like seeing the best players no longer playing anymore. And, and that, if that is the end of his journey, which it probably is, you kind of, you're right, it's gone, and you, you want to appreciate it when you've got it there. When, when it's someone who has been as historically impressive as he has, like the run that he was on last year, early on in the year, where he was throwing more touchdowns than incompletions is just fucking madness. Well, and, you know, it didn't seem like that long ago that we were talking about, oh, is it going to be Tua or Jalen Hurts? And in that space, he's not only gone from Tua or Jalen Hurts to arguably the best quarterback in college football to then being gone from college football. And it just happens so fast. So that was one thing that I did want to bring up. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Okay. Uh, for me, we've seen that the Ray Guy semi-finalists have dropped. So this has ha- happened and obviously very exciting for us Australians because this is our opportunity to shine and shine we have. So Ooh, Wow, I haven't looked at this actually. I've seen that the award semi-finalists are out, but I have not had a look at many. Five of the top 10 boys are Australian. So we've got half the field, which feels about right because I think half of all punters now at the Div 1 level are Australian, which yeah. is an incredible effort, but... Running through the guys, we have Adam Corsack at Rutgers, who's been very impressive. Well, he's uh, had to be. He's had to punt a lot, <laughs> but he's been very good at it. Imagine That's how good. bad things could have been. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Dane Roy at Houston. Yeah. Another bright You've light. You've been a big fan of his as yeah, well. Yeah, certainly. He, he's been really good there. And there was a really good tweet uh, put out there by his coach, Dana Holgerson, saying that he's had almost as many pinned inside the top, uh, inside the 20 as his age. Because he's a (laughs) 30-year-old. So he's having a bit of a dig at him. But he also then goes to say how excellent he's been, his character, and and he's been the captain of that team as as a punter, which which is just awesome to see from one of the Aussie boys. Uh, Max Duffy at Kentucky, who we've been banging on about all year. I think he's a good shout for this too. Yeah, that's fair. And and that'll be great because we'll watch the awards show and we'll actually get a look at him. Which yeah. would be nice. We get yeah. to see who the fuck this dude is. I'm expecting is. a shout out too. <laughs> okay. So we, we're going to start to lobby for that. <laughs> yeah, all right. At this. Yeah. Uh, I'll start getting at him. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Bradburn, Virginia Tech. Uh, he's making a real late push too. Yeah, yeah. He, he's kind of equaled him in that uh, average per year now. And Tyson Dyer at New Mexico, who's been consistently around the mark. Yeah. Just dropping bombs out at uh, New Mexico. So lower level, but. Again, had to do a lot of work this year as well. Has been a star. So congrats to all those boys and and all the other lads over there, but uh, especially those guys. I'm really hoping one of them can pull it out and we can continue our excellent run in the Ray Guy Award. And I I would just touch on the age thing there a second because a lot of guys do go over, a lot of Australian guys do go over kind of post-AFL seasons or you know, if they're not in that, they're in some sort of higher level of... Uh, VFL footy or uh, SANFL or uh, Waffle footy as well. So they're, they're high-level athletes. But I think, obviously, in the college football 
realm, your knowledge level and your experience level can only reach four years, really, four or five years. It's it's such a small window to have so-called experience. And they call these players experienced in the college game. I look at Shaq Quarterman at Miami. He started every game for the Canes at linebacker, and he's playing like his 46th game or something. Now, they say in Aussie rules football, you're not any good until you hit like 100. Yeah, correct. Yeah, like... Up until 50, you're still next to nothing. Exactly. So I think a lot of coaches, and you hear this a lot from the punters, is you get these guys that have played professional football at a higher level and they come into a college system. They know how professional football works. They know the systems. Yeah, they're a bit older, a bit more mature. Bring almost a bit of a, a fatherly perspective to things and they can really yeah and and really nurture those guys along and that's something that's critical in any successful team at the nfl is to have that balance right same as afl here and and those guys bring some of that which is fantastic a couple more things that i would like to touch on we're one month away from the early signing period which happens in december so next year's class of high school recruits historically have always been signed in February and that's always been a really, really big day. In the last couple of years, they have moved a second option of signing to December and most players now elect to sign in that December signing period. So actually the December period, which was the second one, has become the primary one for people to sign. Yeah. So I was going to have just a quick look at teams that are going really, really well. Number one in the country at the moment, uh, according to 24-7, is Clemson. Six five-star guys at the moment, including a quarterback, uh, lots of defensive linemen. The number one player in the country in Brian Breesey is committed to Clemson, which isn't a great shock. And they've still got room in their class as well, which is dangerous. LSU are maxed out there at 25 commits. SEC and now college football says you can only send out 25 letters of intent. Uh, If players choose not to sign them, then you'll sign less than 25, but you can only send out 25. LSU have got 25 commits, so they're maxed out, but they've got 17 four-star guys, so they are traveling along quite nicely. Other clubs that you would expect in there as well Alabama Ohio State Georgia Texas Texas A&M continue to recruit really well under Jimbo Fisher so it's the rich getting richer here please tell me there's someone else out there someone from left field I mean probably for me in the top 20 North Carolina okay you after, say after a lot of or a lot of poor seasons yeah Mac Brown uh, getting it done Mac Brown yeah he's got no five stars and again if you're a star whore then that's okay I am and I am not as well because a lot there's obviously a lot of really good players that cannot be considered five-star players. Um, but yeah, so UNC going really, really well. Uh, South Carolina, despite their struggles, are still in the top 20. So are Tennessee, but that is that shows you the power of the SEC. Certainly does. Um, and then outside of that, there's probably no great shocks. 28 is Purdue. Okay. Where are Miami coming With in? With 19 at? commits. Currently, the Canes are sitting at 17. Yep. All right. Um, with still a bit of room to move. Uh, the North, and, and we don't follow high school football enough to really get a great feel of it. But uh, the noise is that then some of those guys are probably marginal. And there'll be a lot of change between now and December. But probably some guys, some clubs moving up that maybe are a little bit foreign. But are, you can show, you can see what success brings. UCLA 29. Uh, Northwestern 32 they're always okay from a recruiting standpoint Um, but Minnesota at 35 Iowa State at 37 they've always been historically terrible Uh, at 39 is your Oklahoma State Cowboys uh, with the only only one four star and that really shows the difference between the haves and the have nots when you've got LSU at number two with Three five-stars, 17 four-stars. And you've got Oklahoma State who are ranked at the moment uh, and they're only getting that kind of one four-star guy. So Yeah, which is, is uh, probably around the mark. That's actually probably a little bit down on where they've been, but it's often only a handful of four-stars and then f- trying to find... The gems, the Chuba Hubbard. I think he would have only been yep. two or three star coming out. James Washington was, Justin Blackman, all of yep. these guys who went on to have really successful college careers. I guess it's it's kind of similar to Moneyball. You've sort of got to find the guys that, that tick your box a little bit that other 
group or other kind of schools Correct. aren't looking at. Cause well, but yeah, they're playing at really small time high schools, but yeah. they've got the potential to, you yeah. know, if, if they get in the right program and an opportunity to develop their body in, in the right circumstances that they can become elite. It's, and the other thing we do need to, to be kind of aware of is the fact that, uh, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, this is going to change a lot. There will be teams and, and movers and shakers as well. But it can get really, really difficult for those smaller programs to get better and better from a recruiting standpoint. So, But it also shows, and this is a really critical thing, is from the Oklahoma State perspective, whilst they continually recruit outside of the top 20, they have had the number one offense in the country uh, over the last 10 years or something. Yeah, because system and coaching is so critical correct often finishing in the top 25 in the rankings but never in the recruit rankings so yeah. you're right that's that certainly talks up the ability of having a really good coach and system okay and now one last point i know we've done a yep. lot of talking but uh the change of the quarterback position over time so I, was, I went back and i've had a bit of time recently especially with the lack of excitement coming up in this week's games but how the quarterback position has changed. I went back and I watched the Florida State-Miami game just to get my head around that a little bit. Alex Hornibrook at quarterback. Nothing wrong with Alex Hornibrook. I mean, he doesn't have an NFL arm, but the the thing you notice with him is the lack of mobility. He was the first quarterback that Miami had played this year that didn't have some sort of escapability or wasn't a true running option at the quarterback position. That is just a staple of the quarterback position in college football these days. That wasn't the case five years ago. I mean, and, and going back before that, when you had Andrew Luck as the number one quarterback, and don't be wrong, there's still a place for pocket passes. The Jake Fromms will still go on and be successful at the NFL level. But for so many um, offenses now, the quarterback is a, a true dual threat guy who can pick up his a first down legs. And it's something you've got to scheme against as an offense, which makes life really, really difficult these days compared to perhaps historically. Yeah, I mean, this has certainly been happening for a while, but it's getting to a point where it's it's almost the norm now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. To, to have the pocket passer is going to be that, oh, we need to kind of prepare for this because they don't have the ability to run out of the back. So how do we need to do things differently to shape up against that? It's interesting. Uh, I I really like that. As an NCAA fan, I was always the the athletic quarterback, and I'm just going to take it off every opportunity yeah, I get. Yeah. So that was my go-to. That was how I built my teams, and now that's what's turned into real life. So yeah, well, and, and it changes, especially with these spread offenses. It changes the count in the box because you used to be able to have, uh, you know five offensive linemen, a running back, and a quarterback. If you're going to line that up, so there's seven guys in the box for the offense, you used to be able to line that up with six, four down linemen, two linebackers. And then you could spread the rest of your DBs out and you were fine, but you had seven on six. Now, if the quarterback's a runner, all of a sudden you've got seven on six, you can block that thing up pretty good. And you've got the quarterback running free into the secondary. And that is dangerous. And that's why you're seeing these hybrid linebacker safety types squeezing down into the box and trying to make things a little bit difficult in the run game. Uh, but yeah, that's just something, another thing that I noticed. Okay. Anyway, you're getting bored of my talking. So take us through the South Pole, Will. Okay, into the South Pole. Uh, not, a, not a whole heap of change here. So we've had a, not a whole heap of upsets last week. So not much movement in my poll. Uh, we have Ohio State still in at number one, representing the Big Ten. LSU still in at number two. Clemson still in at number three. And I'm leaving Alabama solid at four. I think they're good for it there. Even with the tour injury, I have them as my four seed, as the first at-large bid. After that, I have Utah still representing the Pac-12. So not Oregon for me. I think Utah are the better team at the moment. But we're going to see who wins that one. I have Georgia as the second at-large team still. They're, they have moved up a spot. So I had Oklahoma last week in at six. I now moved Georgia up to six. Oklahoma dropped down to seven as the Big 12 representative. They played well to get the win, I suppose. Well, they didn't play well, but they did well to get the win and, and recover that one there. So they hold that spot. And then at eight, I had Navy... 
I was kind of banging <laughs> That went well for you. Doesn't look so good now, does it? Uh, they got done and taking their spot is Memphis for the first time. So I think we've had SMU in there and Navy. Now we go Memphis. This is why I don't agree with that. Uh, that kind of at large that is a group of five school because you can't make a decision on this and that you're flip-flopping them week in, week out. Yeah, Whereas there's probably like, the next team... Like, Oregon is better than Memphis at the moment. Uh, I don't know. I, I still want to see it play out. I think Memphis are good. I think Cincinnati are good. I think App State are good. Uh, We've heard that before. They're dropping games. Well, Can't but happen. All, all three of those have only dropped the one game, and I think they're all super competitive units, and I would like for them to get to this point of the season and for them to all be fighting for a legitimate shot at the national championship which this essentially offers them so right now memphis cincinnati are just battling for the american in this system there's a whole lot more on the line and i don't know it just brings a little bit more exciting for more people yeah and i don't necessarily disagree with that because again something that gets a lot of airtime and is somewhat controversial is under the current four-team system you have got LSU, Ohio State, Clemson appear to be out in front in their respective conferences. You've then got Georgia at four, Alabama at five. Then there's not a lot to be fought for for the rest. There's, you know, the Pac-12 winner. There's Oklahoma, which again, I've got an issue with, and this has always been my issue about early rankings, is because teams like Baylor and Minnesota, because they're not expected to do well, are coming from further back. And therefore, now that they've dropped one, are just like, oh, yeah, well done. Give them a pat on the ass and off they go into the sunset for the rest of the year. And that is the commentary. That's the narrative around teams like Minnesota now. It's like, oh, Minnesota lost, but uh, they lost to Iowa. But they can still consider this season a success. It's like, well, hang on. Fuck you guys. We've only got one loss. We go and run the table and win the Big Ten. Are we not in? So I do get that perspective from the kind of eight teams in the playoff sort of thing but i still don't love the group of five team if you're gonna i'd rather have a minnesota in there i'd rather have an oregon and a utah in there over a memphis smu navy yeah there and there are a lot of teams on the bubble so penn state certainly around the eh, mark and they've had their chances up. they're toast well they, they had that one loss and they'll get an opportunity this week against Ohio state uh michigan uh, around the mark fisted Wisconsin, another one that could potentially... Have their chance. You blow a game to Illinois. Uh, Notre Dame, potentially. I don't know. All of these teams in this eight-team format would still have life in their season. Yeah. Where now, they do not. Right. So, this comes back to, and I've brought this up a couple of times, this comes back to my issue with the playoff and is it a good thing for college football because a team like Notre Dame cannot consider this season a success. They're done. They're past it they're not going to get anything out of it their their fans effectively gave up on the season as soon as they lost to michigan yeah that loss to michigan effectively ruled them out so from week seven or whenever that happened their season is over this is why i don't like or don't necessarily think that the playoff is the best thing for college football but then what other system is there that's not gonna stop that like there's 130 teams and only one can be the national champion it's only going to be that top that's really considered for it i, I don't get, think there's I, anything that i get that but you can still hold value in other aspects like the orange bowl could be considered valuable the pac-12 yeah. champion well, but, could and, still and be, that still is for a lot of pro- but it's, I, but I still it's, think but it's it will watered be down though it's watered down it's not but only for a program like notre dame because they have higher aspirations that's what history has afforded them. Yeah, but even, but, but again, the talk around Minnesota is it's like, oh, you know, it's, yeah, well done, Minnesota, clap you off and off you go into the sunset. But reality is they can still win the Big Ten, but no one's talking about yeah, that. No one really gives a shit. No one thinks that they will. Possibly, but <laughs> no one really gives a shit because making the Big Ten championship game is irrelevant. No, it's certainly not relevant. That, I mean, the, the chat within Minnesota wouldn't be that. They would still no, be No, it wouldn't be for, for them, but for the, the general narrative in the media at the moment is that teams like Baylor and Minnesota are done and yeah. their season is over. But that's because they don't think they're good enough, not because... They're good they enough from, the a nation, from a college football playoff perspective. But like I'm saying, I think there's more to college football than just those four teams. Okay. You're not coming at me with that. Anyway... 
Let's move on. Let's jump into some bold predictions then. You're like to you're liking to pull this trigger early on this, so yes. let's jump in. And I think this is a great segue because you're going to hate this based <laughs> off of our conversation here. So my bold prediction this week: snap back to reality. So oh, there goes gravity. <laughs> you got it. Uh, oh, there goes rabbit. He choked. He's so mad, Betty. There we go. <laughs> All right. Little Eminem fan over there. Yeah. <laughs> Push on. Uh, Having been undefeated all year and both experiencing their first loss last week, uh, Baylor and Minnesota are going to go down Double again. down, <laughs> They're both going to lose. So they're both favorites this week. Baylor are playing Texas uh, at home again. Minnesota go into Northwestern, who are not very good. <laughs> the defense is okay. The defense is okay. Offensively, they are a bag of vomit yeah. <laughs> that has been sitting in this 40-degree heat. <laughs> Uh, so Schoolies bag of vomit. My my prediction is that the wheels are going to come off. That, yeah. that, that they're going to be super disappointed, and both of these teams are, are going to double down on those losses. And then this whole conversation that we just had becomes irrelevant because <laughs> yeah. they're not very good, and we're going to see that. So I actually don't know how bold that is because I could well and truly see that happening. I know they're both, and they're both going in as favourites, but absolutely, you know, you come off big emotional losses. It's not easy for inexperienced teams and teams with lack of depth to then turn around and really go and scrap and fight for that win. I think if there's a team that can, I think it is more likely to be Minnesota, only because Northwestern's offense isn't as good. And I think Minnesota's game style, which I've said in the past, holds up more yeah. over time. Oh, Minnesota are heaps better than Northwestern. Yeah, like, yeah. As a football team, they are much better this year. But I just think what you were talking about in terms of emotional energy, especially... Oh, the, the ride that they've had. Well, and Tanner Morgan is in concussion protocol okay. as well, which is something to be a little bit cautious of from a Golden Gopher perspective. But Northwestern before last week were averaging less than 12 points a game. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's oh. not good. Yuck. All right, my bold prediction is, and I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to because I've really struggled. I'm going to go a two-week okay, bold it up. prediction. I like it. you got to try something different. Cause I do. So... I'm going to call this a two-week Big Big Ten scared, not scared. And that is, this week, Michigan head to Bloomington to face face Indiana. They do. And I'm going to say that Michigan will be down at the half, come back and win, but Indiana will cover that game. Okay. I'm then going to say that Ohio State, who play Penn State, are going to blow them out of the water completely. They're going to have this game covered up by halftime. Not going to be close. So those two things need to happen as stage one. Stage two is that next week in the Michigan-Ohio State game, Ohio State will have a massive, massive line. And there is no reason for them to be scared. Michigan scared week 13, Ohio State not scared. Week 14, Ohio State scared. They're down at the half against Michigan. Next week, before they come home to win, but Michigan will cover. Okay, wow. There's a lot happening there. There's a lot, a lot moving, happening. A lot I of just, moving pieces. I just think that Michigan are going to put a lot of fear in the punters after a lackluster performance this week. They're going to have a bit of a look-ahead spot. Ohio State will do their business, and everyone's going to think Ohio State will come out and roll Michigan by two touchdowns. That won't happen. Okay, so there's two things that will happen now that I know this. Either... Michigan are just going to come out and smoke Indiana. Correct, yep. That, that's one scenario I see playing out. Or Indiana are going to win. <laughs> yeah, like those, those are the two outcomes yeah. that I now see. because I've called not, this a bold prediction because I actually think Indiana are going to keep this close. That I is, also like that too. I had a good look at this one on the punt. Uh, I wasn't willing to end up going with it, but I certainly like Indiana's chances. Uh, we'll, 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 okay, well, let's dive straight in, shall we, into some game previews rather than faffing around for too much longer. Uh, there's not a lot happening this week. Let's be real. It is a quiet, quiet week, which is typical of week 13. Week 14 is all the rivalry matches the week before conference championships. But you know who we can blame for this one, right? The SEC. It's the fucking SEC. Right, 100%. It's garbage. Who who they got? Alabama? Western Carolina. Yeah. Cool. Anyone know what, what they are? The, it's like a bobcat. The catamounts. Aren't they the catamounts? Wow. They, are the, can, they are the catamounts. I'm not even mad. I think. I'm impressed. Yeah. Auburn well, are playing Samford. They are. Drew Aiken, shout out. Boom. Bulldogs. Yes. 
There we go. So the powerhouse oh, that is. Fuck them up, yeah. They're not in. They're not even 500 at the FCS Hang on, level. though. LSU have got an SEC matchup. Okay, okay. They play Arkansas. Jesus. <laughs> have you seen the line in that? It's like 52 points. Oh. That is fucking lots. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I'll back Arkansas. And then I looked at how Arkansas have been traveling. They've been beaten by more than 50 points every game they play. I know. They're terrible. They Western are. Kentucky got them. Yeah. Comfortably. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, bit of a mess in the SEC, but and other teams are feeding off of this as well. It's a get right game for a lot of a lot of teams. So let's blitz through. I mean, the only real value game which I'm not even going to bother getting up for because it's the only one. And I feel like if you've got an opportunity to give yourself a breather from college football, if you've got an opportunity to go do something with the misses, if you need to catch up with the family. This is probably that one because next weekend you are not going to want to miss a thing. Now, I'm probably yeah. going to because I'm traveling and we're going to have to do oh, this yuck. from the road. But I'm going to be up all night catching up on these games. Yeah, see, I don't know. You've got all off-season to to miss and spend time with your family and all of that, Jam. I'm getting up 3.30. Uh, are you? You're yeah. going to do it? Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. fuck, if you're going to do it. I'll, I'll watch that Penn State, Ohio State, Oklahoma State are playing Kansas. Uh, right. Sorry, West Virginia at that time slot. Maybe I'll come here and watch it with you. All right, let's get into number eight, Penn State, in against number two, Ohio State. In Columbus, Ohio State are 17.5-point favorites, and I'm giving those points all day. I think Ohio State are far better than Penn State. I'm not going to think about it twice. They're going to cover that in a heartbeat. I do not rate this Penn State team. The last two iterations of this contest have actually been fantastic. Uh, the Trace McSorley-led Penn State uh, were up last year at halftime, and then defensive domination in the second half by Ohio State got them across the line. They went down by a point. Uh, I think it was 39-38, something like that. Uh, but the teams look so different this year. Trace McSorley was that X factor for the Nittany Lions, and if you look at X factors on the field this year, if there is one, it's probably Justin Fields. If there's two, it's J.K. Dobbins. Either way, the X factor count goes or lies with Ohio State. Maybe KJ Hamler could get in there, but I just don't see it. The Penn State offense is all sorts of predictable. Sean Clifford, inconsistent at best. He struggled to find a regular connection with anyone, save probably the aforementioned KJ Hamler or Pat Frymuth. Uh, but, you know... I just there's no way there's no world that I see Penn State winning this game. If you then look on the on the attacking on the ground, sorry, Journey Brown has managed to rustle up 500 yards on the ground this year. That is 800 yards behind what J.K. Dobbins has produced. You need to be able to run the ball. I know that's an old school way of thinking, but you have to be able to churn out some grounds, some yards on the ground. Penn State can't do it. Ohio State certainly can. And every single metric number, anything that I look at, shows that Ohio State are going to do this at a canter. Yeah, so who are the best team that Ohio State have played so far this season? Wisconsin? Probably. Yeah, Wisconsin. It's got to be Wisconsin but, or Cincinnati. Wisconsin, They're the only two yeah, teams true, that have played. Yeah, and, and it's hard to count week one Cincinnati yep. or whatever they week were. Week two, week two. Yep. Week two, Cincinnati. The other thing is Wisconsin is a perfect matchup for Ohio State. And I, I guess that's what I'm like. I fell into the trap of that Wisconsin one where I was expecting Ohio State because I hadn't played anyone to be finally coming up against a decent team and, and to be shown that they're not as dominant as they actually are. And I was made to look silly with yeah, that. You were, yes. And I feel like I'm falling back into that trap again. Like, I, I like Penn State's chances. I don't think they're going to win, but I, I think that with the points that they'll keep it close. And it's more just around the fact that how often do you see a college football team just absolutely wreck seasons? Like, have it their own way every game all year. Outside of Alabama and Clemson the last couple of years where they have been well, doing and that. Clemson did, and at the highest level as well. Yeah, but they, Clemson have, have always had the close ones. That lost to Syracuse. That's the true. Almost trip up this year. Like there's there's always been something. Alabama yeah. have always got to, there's there's always something. Like it you just never go through a whole season and not have a team come with it within two touchdowns, yeah, which is where is, Ohio I mean, State that, are at that, this that's year. Tr that's true. You, you always play a down one. 
Correct. And they have two big matchups to finish here. Penn State, Michigan. And it could happen next year, but I feel like there's a whole heap next of folk. Week, yeah, so they yeah, yeah. next week. That's a huge rivalry. There's plenty of attention and focus on this one. I just think that this is the opportunity that we're going to be a little bit surprised. I still think they win because they are much better for all the reasons that you gave. That they they are they have they're perfectly built. They've got it all happening for them. They're a really good football side. But all it takes is for them to have this off week. I know they're at home. It, it doesn't kind of but. Penn State are no slouches. They they have oh, dudes. They, they have dudes. Yeah, they they do. But you've got to They've be got a good coaching staff. I don't rate James Franklin. I get nervous with him, especially towards the end of games. I just feel like he's going to do something fucked up. They have enough to keep it close. <laughs> I don't know if they do. And it, I get, defensively, yes. If you say defensively, they can do enough to potentially stop Ohio State. And by stop Ohio State, I really mean slow Ohio State. If you can keep them to 35, 31 points, I think that's a massive win for your defense. I don't see it happening. But I don't see a world in which Penn State are going to be able to score that many points with how one-dimensional that offense is. And I know we say that, yeah, Journey Brown's come on and he rushed for 100 yards last week, but he did it on like 22 carries or something. You need to be more explosive than that. And when you're talking about explosion, it's only coming from KJ Hamler. And I've got no doubt the Ohio State defense will be ready for those things that they throw at them. And, And it's college teams can shut down two players these days. They can do that. You can't just line up against this Ohio State defensive front and think you're going to bully them. That's not going to happen. No one has come within 24 points of this team this year. I know. That's incredible. And you look at Penn State, and they're winning tight games. Penn State are playing in those close games. And that's all I need to happen again. (laughs) The only thing that may shock people is if it is close and maybe Ohio State get the jitters a bit. And that does happen with young people and young teams. I don't Expect, s- expectations are sky high. Like yeah, everyone expects Ohio State to win and probably win really well in this. Yeah, and that's. What I mean, I, we've I, seen Stranger Things happen. Exactly right. I just feel like all the weight of expectation, the way that things have been going, it it wouldn't shock me. I would be putting my money with the points. I, I'd take the seven and a half. Oh, would you? Yeah. No, I'm giving them away. Anyway, lots to talk about. Lots to debate. Maybe I will get up and watch that one with you. Then maybe we'll come up here and. Uh, have a few sodas at 3.30 in the morning. Head out to the Fox Den. Head out to See the Fox Den. See if we can Den. sort something out at <laughs> okay. night. Some real good things, mate. Okay, other games at 3.30. I can't imagine you'd watch too many of these, but number 10, Minnesota, look to bounce back against Northwestern. We've spoken about that one already. Number 21, Oklahoma State, cannot look past West Virginia this week. Now, they've got Oklahoma on deck in Bedlam. Is there a chance after West Virginia's big win against Kansas State last week that they maybe push you guys a little bit Absolutely. Yeah, Oklahoma State do not have a good record in Morgantown. When they've gone head-to-head with them and been considered the more powerful team, like they are at the moment being ranked and and West Virginia not at four and six, they've certainly struggled. So this is definitely a watch-out game for them. Uh, I just hope Tuba can run up some... another do that. uh, Well, Um, another big game and and to continue to enter in that Heisman conversation. I think it is very much Joe Burrow, but I like like to hear his name mentioned in those combos. You know how I view West Virginia this year is like... You know when you see like in movies those like radars, like the circle sweeping radar, and there's just nothing on it? West Virginia have been that for the whole season, and then they beat Kansas State, and all of a sudden they're just a little blip on the radar. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you've got to keep a little bit of an eye out for them. Anyway, number 22, uh, Iowa State host Kansas. Nothing to worry about. Wheels are coming off at Kansas too. For the clients. Sorry? Wheels are coming off at Kansas. I feel like they they were having some really good efforts early on. Uh, Kept it really tight with Texas, but... Lately, things haven't been going so good. The effort last week against Oklahoma State, they really got blown out. But the, yeah, 31-17. Like, but this mm. is the sign of a team that's on the change. And that is you, you, you get some of these tight ones early in the season, then you fall away. Next year, all of a sudden, these games get tighter and tighter the whole way through the season. We saw this from Iowa State. Then what happens next? Oh, you start jagging a couple yeah, of these. you're right. And then you look like it's a process. That's, that's Les Miles. Yeah, it is. And then all of a sudden, you start blowing some teams out. And you're like, hey, we can actually win against these. So... It's still a work in progress for Kansas. They have to be happy with the feeling and the attitude around Lawrence at the moment. Number 17, Iowa. Take on Illinois. Illinois would go past Iowa if they win this one. 
in the Big Ten West. This just feels like the same as the one that I won all the money on last time. It can't happen the again. State they won. cannot upset someone else. Surely on the road again? They? Surely <laughs> not. Surely not. Maybe if if they if they get number what were Wisconsin at the time six or something. Yeah. When they beat Wisconsin, yeah, yeah. they then get Michigan State on the road and beat Iowa in Kinnick. That is that is a year. season for <laughs> the ages yeah. for Illinois. Yeah. They can't do that, can they? I don't know, but it's certainly one for us to have up on one of the screens so we get going. Is it that or could be sinfully boring as well? Oh, it will be. If <laughs> if we watch it for any prolonged periods, we'll fall the fuck asleep. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, let's jump across at so six o'clock in the morning. Number sixteen, Notre Dame, get a visit from Boston College. I don't think there's anything too much to report there unless AJ Dillon goes ham on Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't see that. I've had a real like habit of betting against Notre Dame this year yeah. and betting on Boston, <laughs> Boston College. College. Like it's my two things going here and my brain's just looking at it going, Oh, play Boston just to win. <laughs> like load up there. There's no logic behind that. It's just my how my head works at the moment. I don't know why, but Okay. Seven o'clock in the morning, Texas A and M ahead to Athens to lose to number four Georgia. Number thirteen Michigan, we've we've mentioned this one. Uh head to Bloomington to take on Indiana. This one could get a little bit funky and I'll give it a little bit of time because I think Peyton Ramsey and Stevie Scott at you know quarterback and running back respectively can put some early scoreboard pressure on Michigan and I don't think that that is something that Shea Patterson especially and that offense handle particularly well. The offense is putting up big numbers there for the Hoosiers and they are a tough out at home. We saw it last year against Ohio State. They were hanging around. I This one will be close, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I really like Indiana's chances in this one. Michigan have been a very different team since halftime in that Penn State game. I agree. I, that, that, that is the big thing that gives me pause is that all of a sudden Michigan State... Sorry, not Michigan State. Not them. All of a sudden Michigan look like a team that deserve to be in the top 10. And and I think it's going two ways. I think it is Michigan are clicking still and then they are kind of in complete opposite fashion of your bold prediction, looking really good going into the next week to make it a little bit more interesting. Or they are looking ahead a bit. They do revert back to what we were seeing earlier in the year. They are a bit disjointed in how things are happening. And Indiana, if that's the case, will certainly be in this matchup. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think they're in it anyway. But uh, ooh, I don't think they're going to win, but it'll be close. It wouldn't shock me to see. I would actually, if there's a game I would have on in that 7 o'clock time slot, that would probably be it. Oh, the next game's offended. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm ta- I assume you're talking Texas at number 14, Baylor. I am. Uh, I actually think this is a sneaky big game for both teams. You've got Baylor coming off a loss to Oklahoma. To drop a second game to Texas proves that they're not anywhere near where Matt Rule and the Baylor fans think they are. And for Texas, they have had a disappointing season by their own admission. And to then go and lose again would be just icing on the, a, a really bad cake for Tom Herman. Four Sam and four Ellinger. in the Big 12 is not inacceptable. Not good. not good. And I picked them to come out of the Big 12, but... Inacceptable? Unacceptable. Word. Yeah. Yeah. Making uh, shit up over here. Yeah, good by you. So I think it's actually a sneaky big game for both teams. And Texas feel irrelevant this year. And a game, winning this and winning this with some conviction would take a small step in the direction to prove that incorrect. And yeah, and I think they do. I, I have a strong feeling that Texas are going to win this game. I think they still are a good football team. They've had some really disappointing results. Iowa State losing in the last second field goal. Things just haven't gone their way. But you're right. They, they need this victory to kind of show that they are a good football team, that they're a good football program. And, and that's kind of what this represents for them. So they're going to be fired up in this one and I expect Baylor to be reeling a little bit I mean that was as bad a loss to have giving up those 25 points after looking so good and then oh so bad yeah and I I think it comes down to as well and you know we're obviously not deep diving the analysis here too much but 
Baylor's offense looks a little bit broken at times. It looks good early, but then I don't really know what their go is. Charlie Brewer looks really good at times, but on that last drive, he looked unsure, unstable. Uh, his decision-making was poor. So when he's got a good running game going, I feel like he looks good, but that hasn't been the case. It certainly hasn't been consistent for Baylor, and I don't know that that is a ticket to a good win. Uh, but Texas, on the, on by their own admission, they've been terrible defensively, and I... I, I I just don't see them. I don't think I see them coming through with a win here, but I'm not sure. Uh, The Battle of LA between USC and UCLA kicks off at 7 as well. USC are playing their best football of the season. Something that we... I probably neglect a little bit is the fact of change overseas and Michigan have been improving steadily. USC have been improving as well. I assume that they will handle the Bruins pretty comfortably there. Yeah, I think they'll crush them too. Number 25, SMU, have a crack at Navy. This is a big game in the American and a real danger game for the Mustangs because that triple option is not something you see all the time and can be hard to prep for. Navy are going in as favourites and I expect them to win this one. Yep, I mean, I hope not because I've got SMU in the championship draft. Uh, Pitt and Virginia Tech square off with coastal title implications on the line. Purdue battle number 12, Wisconsin. Purdue are due for a big win this year. Hopefully, maybe, kind of. Uh, and number 18, Memphis and South Florida also square off at 7 o'clock in the American. At 10.30, and please feel free to jump in on any of these if you think they're yeah, relevant. Yeah, will do, man. Uh, number one, LSU will kill Arkansas. Number 19, Cincy and your boy James Smith tackle Temple. Number six, Oregon head to Tempe and face Arizona State. Number nine, Oklahoma host TCU in a game that probably won't go anywhere. Number seven, Utah will play Arizona. Now, that one's away. I figure, I feel like if it was anyone apart from Arizona, I'd give them a shout against Utah. That's not going to be the case. Utah will handle them. And in a massive Mountain West showdown, number 20, Boise State will take on Utah State. Yes. Okay. So the only thing I will say on those ones, Arkansas LSU what is it, the 50-odd points we said the line was? That's way too many. Like, I know I said Arkansas lost all those ones, but they've changed coach. They had the off week. If there's ever a time you're going to see a team kind of bounce back a little bit and not get blown out like 50-odd fucking points, it'll be this one. So LSU might have the backups in halfway through the second, perhaps, but I don't expect... that. It's just way too many points in an inter-SEC matchup. I also have some questions just a again a slight pause about LSU's defense at the moment now they gave up 27-ish against Ole Miss now don't get me wrong Elijah Moore was good last week and Stephen J Plumley or whatever his name is Stephen K Amos or Reese Reese John Reese Plumley there we go there we go we got there was was really really good but I do have some questions about this LSU defense, and they're showing signs of being a not LSU defense for the first time in a long time. And the only thing I would say about this is they'll be fine against Arkansas. They'll be fine against... Yeah, Western Kentucky Texas. were fine against Arkansas. Yeah, well, I don't know who they've got. Have they got Texas A&M to finish the season? Maybe someone LSU. easier than that. Yeah, someone not good. But it would not surprise me to see them struggle in their semi-final game or maybe even Georgia they get Georgia in the SEC championship game a defense that is really really good that can pin them down a fraction you know if I could see this LSU team just struggling a little bit on defense at some stage there's certainly more cracks oh you're right there is Texas A&M to finish here there's certainly more cracks there than there is Ohio State from what I see yeah absolutely they've had the more impressive wins across the year the resume is better but there are more cracks I guess because they've been pressed a bit harder yeah but yeah, I 100% agree with what you're putting down. So there. that is, I don't think LSU is this is this bl- like unbackable team at this stage. I it wouldn't surprise me to see a loss at some stage. Yeah, for the Tigers, yeah. I still think they're really really good. Don't get me wrong, um, and I think that offense is fantastic. But I just have a little bit of a question yep. around them. Yep, anyway, uh, okay, let's jump into the championship draft really quickly because we need to get this thing finished up, wrapped up, and sorted for today. We do. Uh, championship draft, what is happening? I've got no idea. 
Yes, so last week you missed out, uh, and we did end up going for dinner together uh, on the Saturday night. So, Scotty, in your absence, picked up Navy for you. Now, when we were out for dinner, I did, I, I did kind of... Boo, Scotty, boo. <laughs> talk to you about this one and said he'd grabbed that, and you said, uh, probably would have gone Iowa. And this was before any of the games were played, and now you look at it, Navy obviously got spanked by Notre Dame, dropped out of the rankings... Iowa beat a really good Minnesota team and went in. So, I don't know. How do we want to play this? Do we want to slot Iowa into your team? Or are you happy to take Scotty's Navy allocation because you're so far out in front? Uh, I could be super arrogant and just go, I'll take Navy. But this may have been the first thing I've predicted correctly all year. So, I'm going to take Iowa. Okay. We'll slot Iowa in there. I did the math based uh, off of the Navy one here, so you're going to have to excuse that. I'm, I'm not so quite an extra sure five points, at. maybe. Yeah, correct. So at the moment, you're on 143 in total, uh, and I'm on 125, so still 18 behind, which is what, like the seventh ranked team in the country. I need to get injected in mine <laughs> somehow without you getting anything. So it's looking unlikely for me, but that's okay. Uh, Hawaii only won 21 7. Uh, to UNLV Ooh, over the that's weekend. not great, is well, it? Well, the boys were out. That was a, good time. <laughs> a bit sluggish. So UNLV, UNLV obviously based in Las Vegas. They are, so Having that, a good that's time. okay. They, they got the win, but now at this point in year, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you've got your choice of essentially anyone available. Who are you looking at getting? Uh, I haven't even really looked. So who is available to me? Because I feel like I've, I am sauntering to a victory at this stage i'm like that guy in the marathon that's walking the last hundred meters because yeah, he's for, got it won like, so easily for part of this let's remember that there's two sections here there's the overall champion and then there's that added up points yeah yeah so the overall champion which i won last year and i currently hold what lsu you've got a host don't know so uh all right and the overall points yep Okay. So really uh, teams sure. that do not have a home at the moment. Iowa. I've uh, got... Don't I have Iowa? I just said I've got Iowa. Oh, sorry. Come yep, on, You're dude. right. You do. Sorry. Based off of what I had down. Uh, App State are in there. Yeah. Texas A&M are in there. Virginia nope. Tech are in there. None of us have them. Indiana, Iowa State, Virginia. I'm going to take... Uh, I'll take App State. Because I see that I see losses on the future for some of those other teams. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'm going to grab Iowa State. They got K State and Kansas to finish the year. I think. I think now they're, they're not ranked in the AP, but not at the moment. Which is what we're basing it on. But they're ranked in college football playoff at number 22. Yep. And I, I think they'll win both of those games. They'll get a decent bowl. Well, not a decent bowl game, but they'll get a bowl game, and I think they'll probably win it. Yeah. They'll probably be better than who they play. So they'll. Wouldn't surprise me if they end up in the teens, Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. With three wins to, to close it out, so that's who, I'll, who I will add in there. App State could well too. They, yeah. could, they could win the Sun Belt, play a decent bowl game as well. I'm really banking on that. Come on, <laughs> App State. Cool. All right. All right. Now, last little segment of the week, as per usual, is going on the pump with Will. Now, you have had a really good month month and a half yeah, almost four, here so four of the last five weeks let's keep this baby rolling and let's hope that if you started betting with will five weeks ago you will be making bank if not you're fucking out in the street probably but this week could be the time where you can afford the bond on a rental here comes the money here we go money talk Yes, mate. Yes, absolutely. So we are looking good. We're running hot at the moment. And I have this misplaced confidence now. So <laughs> it is. The, I mean, you're honest at yeah, least. Yeah. Oh, for sure. A bit of swagger about my picks. And the problem that I now have is I have so many that I like. I'm, I'm still trying to go back to this formula of only picking three games. But I look at it and there's like 10 that I'm like, I, I, I like that. I like that. I like that. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's not good because personally, I do start throwing a little bit, bits and pieces at all of these and they haven't been so good. So, this week, let's go into it. Three picks again. Uh, real underdogs this week I'm looking at. So, I'm taking a lot of points. So, the first one for me, and you might not like this. We didn't even mention this game in our recaps. Didn't bother. I'm taking Rutgers. Oh. Rutgers. Plus 20 and a half points against Michigan State. 
So where which, is that one? So that's uh, in New Jersey or wherever Rutgers play out of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're at home for that one. High Point Solutions Stadium. In, High Point in Piscataway. Yeah, that's some good English. <laughs> yep. Uh, they have been pretty bad this year, Rutgers. Right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Pretty disappointing. With that. But they have been five and one against spread in their last six games in November. Yeah. What uh, are they getting? Twenty four points. Twenty and a half. Twenty and a half points. Michigan State, on the other hand, one and five against the spread in their last six road games. And they they've looked pretty poor. Michigan and have lost like five on the bounce now. <laughs> they Michigan have State. they have. And and they struggle offensively. And I think Whilst they're a good defensive team, they're at risk of not even scoring the 21 points there. So I, I really like Rutgers in this Rutgers one. Rutgers are pretty bad. They're not good. They're not good. <laughs> but I'm, I'm relying on them to keep it within three touchdowns here if, at home. If there's a team that'll make you feel good about going into the offseason, it's Rutgers. <laughs> and I don't love that pick i don't think because what are you saying it's 20 points 20 and a half yep. 20 and a half so they have lost by more than that in every game that is of relevance recently Ugh. yeah and, and, and I mean, don't be wrong Michi- i know michigan state's offense sucks but all the public money has been thrown on michigan state too which just really kind of puts me into i like ruckers in this spot okay uh, okay next one uh illinois plus 15 and a half so i'm, I'm not going for lightning to strike twice uh last time they were in the same range against michigan state i backed them to win and yeah it came up and i was doing dances and shit cartwheels around there yeah house. they scored like four touchdowns in the last quarter for yeah, that <laughs> needed a bit <laughs> this time i'm taking the 15 and a half points yeah so they're going on the road but i'm taking the points still like them uh so that one um, i'm hoping they can be my darlings this year okay i'm gonna buy myself some illinois gear uh for christmas if yeah that'd be nice up. Yeah. myself a nice Illinois sweater. Or a fake beard. Well, I don't need a fake one. I just need a grayer. <laughs> Although, that said, hit 32 not all that long ago. Last couple of weeks, looking in the mirror, fucking gray hairs oh, just bang, hey. coming out the beard. I've, I've, I'm at the point where I'm able to pluck them still. So I've, I've grabbed them out and I, I run no, you down. Can get, you can get some of those like ink, like those combs with like the dye in yeah, well, and like, brush it I, in. I can do that. Or I was thinking maybe I just go the other way and just get it all gray now. <laughs> <laughs> just go in the gray. <laughs> Looks super refined. But every time at the moment, I have to pull it out and run down the other half and be like, ah, it's happening. Yeah. So that's terrifying. But I'm practically Lovey Smith. So <laughs> Lovey Smith Jr., a lot of similarities between yeah. the two of us. Big bears, man. Yeah, yeah. Go Illinois, plus 15 and a half. Bring right. it home for me. And then uh, last one, I'm going Texas to win against Baylor. So they're okay. like 275 in that one. So three units in Rutgers plus 20 and a half. Mm-hmm. Three units, Illinois plus 15 and a half, and three units on Texas to win, and then a one unit on the multi. Yeah. Uh, all up, we'd ha- we'll, we'll be having a good day if we get all three of them. What uh, a- what else did you like? Because so, I, lo- I, I liked Indiana yeah. uh, in that one against Michigan. Yeah, to uh, cover that up. I don't yeah. hate that. That's a... I mean, it's one of those ones that you could see, you're watching on Saturday and you're like, yeah, like, I could see this being close. And then you're like, oh, Indiana's down 21 nothing in the first quarter. Sweet. Yeah, correct. And Michigan are a dangerous team like that. So yeah. I was kind of uh, a little bit like that. Uh, I, I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but that's what we're going with. Let's not think about the others. That's where all my money <laughs> is put this week. And I'm hoping that we can break back into the positives and have a positive year on the back of this week's results well i mean this would do it wouldn't it it would it would hey all right well that brings us to the end of our week 13 preview show it's been uh, a really good one in the fox den tonight so thank you for that william uh, but as always please do hit us up on spotify on stitcher on itunes on your podcast app on what else have we got there that i've missed i'm sure soundcloud is probably something we do yeah perhaps who so, knows i think so yeah 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 i mean we do them all so feel free to hit us up on that make sure you do hit that subscribe button leave us a review as always do hit us up on 
Twitter and on Instagram at CFB Down Under. We always do like getting your input on a weekly basis, good, bad, or otherwise. On behalf of that guy over there with the Fox problem, on behalf of myself, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.